Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Four Quarter Talk podcast with myself, Jack Brazil, and my co-host, as always, Josh Mazurke. So, what's up? Yo, what's up, man? I'm, I'm just grateful, grateful that Bull's back right now. You know, it was a bit of a break, <laughs> wasn't too long, but then it just puts it in perspective because obviously last year, uh, this time last year was when the NBA went into suspension. Yeah, and that that was a those were confusing times. You know, it was a long wait. That that wait was dragging. You know. Yeah, if only Sorry. Rudy Gobert hadn't touched all those microphones. Uh, <laughs> no, he plays good defense on NBA players and on the league itself. Down like, the whole league. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's still a lot of confusion going on a year later, but at least we've got basketball to, to still talk about and keep us entertained. Um, and there's been some news flying around the NBA recently, Josh, regarding a certain power forward that plays in Miami, Myers Leonard. Uh, if you're not sure what happened uh, last week, Myers Leonard used uh, anti-Semitic slur and being killed by a 13-year-old on Warzone, uh, Kuruji Warzone, uh, which he only received a $50,000 fine for. And, you know, the word in question that he used, uh, I don't think anyone's heard it since since probably uh, World War II days. Yeah, man, he got that from, he, he went in his Hitler bag for that one. Yeah, <laughs> been reading Mein Kampf. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, and yeah um, apparently the NBA only thought it was worth $50,000 which is the same Kobe Bryant got fined for uh, using homophobic yeah I did just want to put it in in perspective here I saw a a tweet that was just like yeah the fine was so it was a 50k fine and uh, he has to go to like sensitivity training basically and to put that into perspective, that's the same fine that Stephen Curry received for throwing his mouthpiece in the finals. Wow. Uh, the same that uh, J.R. Smith got for untying a, someone else's laces on the free throw line. Uh, the same that Daryl Morey got for an automatic tweet that was posted by like a bot about uh, James Harden. Uh, obviously, uh there was there was a uh, Kobe Bryant's fine, as you just mentioned, and then uh, Roy Hibbert and Nikola Jokic had to pay uh, seventy five grand for saying no homo. Saying no homo. So, you know, the precedent is definitely there for a bit more than that. And it is strange, though. I mean, I guess we do have to take into account as well that um, Adam Silver, Adam Silver is Jewish himself. So, mm. I'm not sure if uh, maybe. I mean, yeah, I guess we do have to leave it to the offended party to deem it. But I just think with the past year or the past, you know, that bubble experience and um, even right now with the uh, with the campaign that's going on with a- uh, Asians right now who are experiencing a lot of discrimination, uh, you'd think that the NBA have shown that they're a lot, like quite sensitive and supportive in these type of issues and that they'll take it a bit more seriously. Yeah, for sure. And... Uh... I, I kind of hope this swells the end for Myers Landers' NBA career almost. Um, not to be too harsh, but you know, this is the same man that uh, stood for the national anthem while you know it, the rest of his teammates were taking a knee in response to the murder of George Floyd. Uh, so yeah, I don't know why. I mean, if there was any player that you could uh, that you could set an example with, it'd be Myers Leonard, who doesn't play anyway. Yeah, you know, it's not like the NBA like. It doesn't. It doesn't worsen your product yeah, enough. For sure, out there not being able to get rebounds. 
Like, yeah, the hammer, as he calls himself, that just even sounds racist for some reason. <laughs> nah, See, like that clip that's the most like ripped. He's in that like ripped soft car- category with like yeah. DeAndre right now. That like, that clip, the clip that killed me was when uh, LeBron uh, shoulder checked him and then dunked, <laughs> and it pans to my on his face, and you can only imagine what words are going through his head when he's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, um, honestly, when I heard, because uh, the first video I saw just said he said a slur, and I was thinking like, no, there's no way he said, he's, there's no one. way he said the end with yeah. uh, Jimmy Butler on his team. Yeah. There's absolutely no way. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It is insane. Let's move away from that, though, and get into the main topic of today's episode. And we're going to give you four hot takes each going into the second half of the NBA season. Uh, obviously, the first round of games were concluded uh, last night uh, with the Bulls not doing too well against the Sixers, but we won't get into that. Um, Josh, do you want to give us your first hot take? What do you think is going to happen over the next course of the second half of the season? Yeah, so I, I like to... I mean, I'm not, I'm not throwing too much, anything out too crazy out there, so... Uh, so I, I like to consider them bold predictions. My first being that uh, the great Pokaseski will end up being the best player in his draft class. Uh, Jesus, the potential is clearly there now. <laughs> but uh, he, hey, he's a sleeper. He's a feel sleeper. like a toothpick. <laughs> hey man, that's what they said about a certain Giannis Antetokounmpo once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and nah. they do have, they do have the the same athletic ability as well. You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, nah, he he has more he has more like like skill at that age. To be fair, no, yeah. I just think he has really good instinct. But that's not my that's not my first ball prediction. Right. Um, my first ball prediction is that, and it's it's the one in the thumbnail, is that uh, Bursi, it's it's a two and one. So Kyle Lowry will not finish this season as a Raptor, and the Raptors will not make the playoffs. So wait, wait, uh, can I just ask? Are yep. those two predictions dependent on each other? So if Kyle Lowry, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, it's a, it's a two and one. It's cool. a two and one. Um, so uh, th- there's been there's been several reports on uh, Lowry's um, status as a, as a Raptor. Um, one of them was glaring, being that uh, I, I think about a month ago. Well, starting from a couple of years ago, actually, but especially a month ago, he started to make it known that he, he was eyeing a return back to uh, his, his hometown in Philadelphia. Yeah. And then uh, a reporter in Ryan Rossillo uh, reported that Kyle Lowry has been kind of telling everyone for around a month around the league that he's he's getting traded soon. Um, but yeah, I think it's just one of those things where it comes to the point where, you know, a player doesn't match the timeline of the team around him. And obviously, uh, I'm sure they, you know, he's the greatest Raptor of all time, in my opinion, in many's opinion. And um, he'll be given the respect, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and it won't be ugly. You know, uh, he'll be sent somewhere where he has a chance to win. Uh, obviously, that Philadelphia connection there. Yeah. Um, no one will ever wear number seven for the Raptors again, either. Yeah. And I think it would just, it would help both sides as well, because... Kyle Lowry is currently on a expiring contract, which yeah. is one of the most, you know, one of the best assets you could have in the league is an expiring contract. 
especially with a player that can help a winning team this season. Um, and that can help just set up the Raptors uh, for the future. And then more towards the Raptors miss, missing the playoffs part of it is that um, Powell, Powell is also, you know, he's he's uh, emerging as as a player that could could draw attention from other teams because I think he his uh, contract, um, his situation is uh, pending as well and he might... Uh, demand a lot of money. Yeah, and what, and then, what better time to cash in on Norman Powell than right now? I mean, his yeah. stock is at an all-time high. Absolutely. And then also just with, particularly with the, uh, with my playoff prediction is that, you know, that 7 to 10 range in the East. I mean, we've, there's been a lot of talk with us about the Eastern Conference being, you know, not stacked, but tight in the, in the fact that, you know, they just have similar records across the board. But particularly that 7 to 10 range mm. is, you know, there's a lot of teams there that, um, had slow starts, and uh, you know they've shown that they they're about to get back to the to the level that they were expected to be at. And um, assuming that those moves do take place, obviously, um, that would leave the Raptors as one of those teams that are the odd man out. Yeah, uh, I think I think it's it's a tight one with um, the Raptors maybe not making the playoffs. I think they will end up having the quality to get there. Because mm-hmm. I I do just think um, the quality of Nick Nurse and and their years experience will will get them in there uh, even if they do deal Kyle Lowry. Uh, but regarding Kyle Lowry, he did just come out this past week saying that he would like to retire a Raptor, but did also hint even if that meant it was a one day contract. Um, yeah. So that's throwing a few mixed signals about for Raptors fans. Um, on one hand, you can interpret that as he wants to stay. Uh, for the rest of his career. But that that last bit about the one-day contract kind of makes you think that he's got other plans for for, for the rest of his career. Um, and if that is in Philly, I, I, I'm sure that would be an excellent acquisition for the 76ers because this is a man who knows what it takes to win a, win a championship. Um, yeah. and, you know, a team like the Clippers or there's yeah. several teams that use the services. I, I think anyone could use the services of Kyle Lowry. He's still a very quality NBA player. Um and you know, especially adding them to a team like the Sixers or the Clippers, who are who are you know they kind of feel like they're one step away from a title. Uh, definitely contenders, both of them. A uh, piece like Kyle Lowry would be uh, ideal, um, especially for two teams that kind of lack, um, maybe less so on the Sixers, but especially for the Clippers, they lack a, a a ball handler and a playmaker at that point guard spot. So Kyle Lowry would be ideal. Just a winning player that you can just insert into any situation. Well, the Raptors maybe not making the playoffs leads me perfectly into my first hot take, Josh. And that is that the Washington Wizards will, in fact, make the playoffs. After their terrible start, um, on the 12th of February, they sat 6-17 and 17 after a loss to the New York Knicks, uh, which was the worst in the East and the second worst in the league. Uh, a lot of doubters, and rightly so, uh, were calling... The Russell Westbrook trade, um, an awful one, saying he had the worst contract in the NBA. Uh, Bradley Beal was being put in every trade rumor imaginable. Um, I'm also guilty of this, trying trying my ways to f- try and get him to the Bulls. Didn't didn't quite work, but um, but now since then, uh, they're nine and four since. Uh, Scott Brooks kind of reshuffled the pack, said this isn't working. Let's go with a different lineup. Inserting Mo Vag- Wagner into the into the rotation. Garrison Matthews, who's who's been very solid for them. Uh, Rui Hachimura, who's turned into quite a good defender, actually. Um, 
And those wins include wins over the Celtics, the Trailblazers, the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Nuggets twice. Uh, so since then, you can say that reshuffling has really, really helped the Wizards. Uh, I'm not sure what was said. No, Scott Brooks isn't isn't deemed as to be one of the the better coaches in the NBA by any means, but um, at least you know, unlike some some coaches, he adapts and he, he changes to uh, to benefit his team. I think you all know who we're talking about if you listen to this podcast. Um, I don't even need to say his name. Uh, no. But yeah, this, uh, I, sorry, go on, go on. I was just going to say, to put this into a bit more context, um, at, at the end of that run on February 12th, uh, they sat with the worst defence in the league. Um, but since they allowed just 110.3 points per 100 non-garbage time possessions. You know, that sounds like a bit of a mouthful stat, but that basically means in, in crunch time and in meaningful minutes, they're... They're giving up 110 points, which is tied eighth in the league in that time with Miami and West leading Utah. So, uh, you know, two two elite teams who we expect to see in the playoffs. Um, also, no team allows allows fewer shots at the rim per game or um, forces team into more mid-range shots or floaters, which are the uh, lowest efficiency shots, regarded as the lowest efficiency shots in the NBA this year. I uh, would... Well, in these times, because uh, obviously the three re- remain supreme. Um, so their defense is, has really stepped up uh, when, you know, first half, for most of the first half of the season, it was historically bad, uh, which is why, um, you know, Bradley Bill and Russell Westbrook can now focus on being the players they are. And that's obviously two two MVP candidate type players. And since since then, they've both been kind of playing at that level. Uh, and that's been contributing to wins for the for the Washington Wizards, and I expect that to continue and for them to make it to the playoffs. Because you know the West, the East is really, really tight right now, and it doesn't. It's not going to take a lot of wins to get into that AFC. I don't think. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, we've had an episode, uh, a couple, uh, episode, a couple of episodes ago, um, where we talked about the Wizards. You know their uptick in play. Yeah. Um, one thing that's so obviously we, we you talked about you know the adjustment that was made and almost you know a lot of their a lot of their losing had to do with uh, you know COVID and having a lot of players out but I guess it was a blessing as well is that it forced them to move to a lineup that more better suited uh, their top two players but yeah that's an interesting that that was really uh, that's a key start there about defending at the rim because that was an issue that they definitely had and yeah um, an underrated part about this is that they due to those all of those postponed games they have 30 games remaining still which is a third most in in the league which gives them even more more of a chance to gain traction and uh, yeah. finish you know higher up um and they they only currently sit 1.5 games behind the 10th seed which is that play in range there as you know that's a little bit outdated actually that was a couple of days ago and i think yeah. they just grabbed a win well and then um... I can check for you now. Hold on. Uh, I did also want to want to say with with what you said about uh, they have like the most games to be played. Um, you might think that that as you said, it gives them a chance to gain traction, know that, but it could also give them a chance to maybe fall off. But um, luckily for the Wizards, what they have going for them there, I just think it came at the right time for them because obviously, uh, if they had played those games, they would be playing yeah. those games. Oh, for sure, for sure, yeah. But. Um, Oh, several players. So. Yeah, another another benefit for the Wizards is that they have the most games remaining against teams that have losing records in the league. 
the league is quite balanced right now. Uh, 15 teams. Sorry. Yeah, 15 teams have a winning record and 15 teams have a losing record. And the Wizards have the most against those teams with the losing record going into the All-Star break. Uh, so on paper, that should mean those are easier games against easier opposition. Well, that, does that pretty much just mean that they're playing the, the East a lot? Yeah, pretty, pretty much. much. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, yeah, yeah the, the Wizards the Wizards look do actually look like a decent team this season. And we definitely thought they were going to go into tank mode following their awful start. But... Um, you know, they, they've been presented with a unique opportunity with how tight the West is to actually be back in that playoff race. Yeah, and uh, if we look at that range, as we were talking about, that 7-10, to 10, if we look at all, all those teams, uh, they're probably the only team that has two stars. Yeah. So that, that definitely goes into it if they get into that play-in type situation. They might even leapfrog us, which is scary <laughs> to think. Like you. Yeah. Um, Let's move away from the Wizards, though. Josh, what is your second hot take for the second half of the NBA season? Uh, my second is that uh, it's it's a harder Nets one, and it's that the Nets will overtake the Nets will overtake the Sixers to clinch the first seed, and uh, that will earn James Harden MVP honors. Ooh, okay, yeah. first. First half, I was like, that's not a hot take. But then the second half of that, that's definitely a hot take. Yeah, so um, Harden is on a tear. You know, he's... he's, And it's in a, it's in a way that's much different from what, what we're accustomed in these last few years of, you know, the Mike D'Antoni offense. You know, he's not, uh, he's not dazzling you with, you know, 40-point-per-game averages or anything like that. But his efficiency is much better. You know, he's, he's always been a great shooter. Um, but it's not always translated to his actual percentage. And he is right now hovering around, you know, that 40% um, as much of the uh, Brooklyn Nets are. But I think, obviously, you know, looking at it from a distance, because when right around the time that they acquired Harden, uh, KD was in the MVP race. Yeah. And pretty much everyone collectively took him out of it because it was like, they've got three All-Stars now. Uh, none of them will be in consideration. But what's ensued stints with, you know, multiple injuries, you know, they've lost Kyrie for a few games, you know, they've constantly had KD out. And I think there's something, there's more to KD that we're not being told about, Yeah, I think. Uh, because as I mentioned, um, my hesitance and my apprehension with KD was never that he wouldn't be the same player skillfully or maybe not even athletically, but it was that a lot of these players... Um, like a John Wall, like a, you know, Demarcus Cousins that get these Achilles injuries, they almost always, you know, manifest into whether it's re-injuring the Achilles or injuring other parts because of you know overcompensation, and that seemed to happen with KD because uh, he's he's now dealing with a nagging uh, hamstring injury, and uh, they've already ruled him out for the rest of this week, and who knows how long it can yeah. linger on, for. and that just gives Harden even more of an opportunity to kind of take the reins because. He, you know, I've seen a lot of people say he's the best player in the league right now. Um, and they might be you know, right. Steam is picking off at of that because he's putting those skills, you know, he's always been highly skillful, but the way he plays hasn't always been great to watch. And I thought that, you know, that was one of the things that I was looking forward to when he uh, got traded to the Nets is that um, he'd be able to just be in a role that made sense rather than, you know, him carrying the whole offense. And yeah. he's made players around him. Um, 
it was clear that he, he's always had the skill to do what he's doing, but um, it was kind of hyper-exaggerated in, in uh, the Rockets' system. And now, you know, he, he's just playing beautiful basketball right now. Um, it's balanced. You know, he's not overdoing it with isolation play. Um, he's making players better around him. You know, he's solely taking that point guard role. And yeah. then uh, the Nets also have the second easiest remaining schedule in the league. So that gives them a chance. And then now, you know, you're seeing players like Embiid and Simmons, you know, they, they keep they keep being out for different reasons. Obviously, it hasn't been mostly injury yet. But obviously, we don't know how, how it can go. Embiid is getting to that point where he's starting to miss too many games as well. Yeah. That might contribute to him falling out. So yeah, that's that's my case for that. I think I think it's a testament to how great of a of a player James Harden actually is, uh, to how well he's he's fit in and adapted at the Nets. You know, there was a lot of question marks over whether or not he could take up the role he's taken um when he moved there, but he's done it flawlessly, uh, with little transition period. Um, you know, becoming that, you know, the the, the main playmaker in that team and cementing his role as the point guard, uh, which has contributed to all these wins. Um, and to do this without KD is even more impressive. I think that what's happened in, in Brooklyn has is probably the Lakers and the Clippers' worst nightmare of what could have happened. You know, all three fit seamlessly together. Um, and, you know, it doesn't. I don't see any team, especially in the East, that could probably beat this team in a seven-game series right now. Um, you, can't take, you can't use the super, the super team argument against them because... If you actually look at his actual games that he's played with them, you know he probably played less than five games with KD. Um, yeah. Most most of the games that he's played has been with you know at least you know four, three, four G League type players in the lineup. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you know, several. They, and, they've been, and he's making them look really good as well. Like players like uh, Landry Shammer and Bruce Brown, he's been really good of late. Um, and now, obviously, they've uh, they've acquired Blake Griffin, um, who surprisingly, fun fact, Blake Griffin does not have one single dunk this year. He hasn't dunked in two years. That is crazy. That is crazy. I didn't watch the game last night. Did was he playing? Did he play? Nah, it was a street clothes. I think he's he's still injured. He's got okay. an injury. Okay. Um, yeah, that'll be that'll be really interesting to see how Blake Griffin fits in there. Will he kind of be the stretch big man? You know, he's he's kind of worked on that that part of his game uh, since he he got to the to Detroit. And we've got to remember in in Brooke, in Blake Griffin's first year in Detroit, he was all NBA. Um, yeah, and he's only thirty one years been, of age, yeah. so there's still a player in there, I'm sure. Yeah, since the news broke of them acquiring, we haven't really gone into that, but I think. Uh, he will definitely contribute to them, but yeah, I think we're overreacting. I don't, it's not, uh, yeah, it's not. People, people are saying, Oh, they need Blake Griffin to beat LeBron, but he's, he's not, he's not the Blake Griffin he once was. I would make this type of comparison, I'll compare it more to you know, the Lakers acquiring JaVale McGee, yeah, or like Demarcus Cousins, who was in, well, yeah, that too. But I mean, just in terms of if they are healthy, the kind of role, that yeah, he's playing, you know, he's kind of more of a glue guy type role. Um, yeah. I think his days of all NBA behind him and for sure ready to contribute in a role that is you know low risk high reward. And this must be our ideal situation for Blake Griffin. He gets you know I don't think he got all his money. I think he left thirteen million behind, but it's still a, yeah. a, a heck of a lot of money. And now he gets to go and compete for a ring, so he must be over the moon, <coughs> over the moon with this this move. Kind of fizzling out 
of the league whilst riding the Detroit Pistons bench. Yeah. Uh, my first hot take was about a team making the playoffs, but my second hot take is going to be about a team missing the playoffs. And that's the Golden State Warriors. Um, currently sitting on a four-game losing streak. Uh, tough, tough loss last night to the Clippers. Blowout loss. I think they were down like 36 at half. Um, the Clippers get redemption for being down 50 at the half against the Mavericks earlier on in the season. Uh, taking out on Steph Curry and the Warriors. And a lot of their weaknesses are starting to get exposed. I said at the start of the season, um, you know, I was I was kind of clown for this, so I want my damn respect a little bit. But um, you know, I was I was saying that the Golden State Warriors, I don't think I didn't think they'd make the playoffs. I didn't think they had enough. I didn't think Steph Curry, Steph Curry's game translated to um, carrying a team the way a, a Westbrook or LeBron have shown in the past. Um, and we're kind of seeing that, you know. Steph Curry, of course, has been playing at, at an MVP level. Now, obviously, he won't be the MVP because of where his team sits. But, um, you know, bar his stats, he can't do it all by himself. He, there's no secondary ball handler on that team. Maybe you could argue Draymond Green takes that role a little bit. Um, but without Clay there, uh, that fit with Draymond Green as the secondary uh, ball handler and the primary playmaker isn't working as well. You know, when you're when you're throwing those passes to Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins instead of Clay Thompson, it's, they're not going to be converted as much into assists. Uh, and we've seen that so far. And, you know, they, they're really lacking depth, which is showing, you know, outside of Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre, their wing depth is Kent Bazemore and I think Toscano Anderson, uh, which is a far cry from those Golden State Warriors teams of the past. Um, so I think they're just burning out a bit right now. You know, uh, Steph Curry did did you know they rode Steph Curry's hot, hot hand to a few wins earlier in the season and they were in that hunt but now of this four game losing streak um, I don't see them making it they have the worst record against winning <coughs> I always have one voice break every episode don't I <laughs> flip say I need to, ah I need to start drinking more water um, they have the worst record against teams with a winning record in the NBA uh, and obviously they find themselves in the West so. Um, you know, where, which is where most of those teams are. Uh, so that doesn't bode well for the Warriors. Uh, I think a lot of signs are pointing them heading downwards. Um, and this is what, what I kind of feared for the Warriors. Are they going to be in that limbo of trying to make the playoffs and, and not making it? And it looks like that's where they, they will be. Nathan Tad, Josh? I'm going to have to induct another coach into the slander. <laughs> not Steve Kerr, surely not. Steve Kerr. Isn't he like an eight-time, isn't he like an eight-time NBA champion? Or something like that? With coach and um, player? Yeah, a bit of a uh, Phil Jackson syndrome going over there, but... <laughs> 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 but uh, I saw a tweet that uh, I found quite funny. Um, it was <laughs> it was a Warriors fan tweeting out. Um, the more you grow up, the more you understand why uh, Michael Jordan punched Steve Kerr in the face. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I wouldn't go that far. But just observing, and this is not a new thing. This is this is going back to 2016. Um, just me observing things as a fan, right? Uh, especially as a fan of a team in the Western Conference that, you know, was, I'd consider a rival to the Warriors for quite a uh, while of that stretch. 
is that Steve Kerr, um, don't get me wrong, he he brought them to a level that they weren't going to achieve um, without, you know, a bit of a revolution to their offense. But he, you know, he he's he's low-key in that Budenhoser range of not adjusting. Mm. You know, part of, I'm sure everyone just remembers, you know, us blowing a 3-1 lead and they just want to clown that, which is justified. But the reason we were even able to go in that, and if you go back and watch some games, you'll hear consistently um, commentary saying, you know, Steve Kerr is being outcoached right now um, by Billy Donovan, who's, who's far from an elite coach. Um, but there were just certain matchups that were getting put there. And if, you know, maybe if Clay doesn't go off for 11 threes, which will like forever, like, I'll have a nightmare about that at least once a year. But, um, you know, he's he's had these miraculous uh, performances to bail him out and then he got outcoached by Ty Lue in the finals. Mm-hmm. And that that is, you know, obviously LeBron played at a high level, but there were a lot of adjustments made that, um, yeah, Steve just doesn't really adjust too well. And the biggest example of that this year is that, you know, it was quite early on because obviously last year we just automatically gave everyone in the Warriors a pass because there yeah. was too many injuries. But um, this year, uh, a critique of him was that it was pretty clear early on that you're not dealing with the same type of players that you've had, uh, that they've grown accustomed to, that had high IQ and could deal with complex offences. And But he was still reluctant and he would say, no, we're, we're still doing this. And I don't think it's fair um, to call at this point, to call Curry not the type of player that can carry a team because if you watch the games, Steve Kerr is not allowing him to. Um, I think Curry is below... Just put in perspective, Curry is one of the players who are towards the bottom of the league in fourth quarter minutes, whilst Brad Wanamaker is near the top of the league in fourth quarter minutes, who shares who shares the backcourt with him at times. And uh, he... I don't know, Brad, he's another player with his coach's nudes or something, Brad Wanamaker, because for some reason he, he just, you know, he got all the minutes he could take, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. uh, but uh, yeah, Steve, he didn't want, like, he, he continued to make Curry play off ball, which obviously is a big part of his game. But um, even when they didn't have Draymond, didn't allow him to, you know, just take over mm. and just wanted to carry on of those offenses that, work very well when you have players like KD, Clay, you know, Draymond taking off pressure, but... Uh, yeah, so so you're play. saying he's, he's playing like the... Twi- he's playing a 2016 Warriors system with players like Toscana Anderson and Brad Bonamaker in the lineup. Exactly. And yeah. he's just not... Yeah, he, he's just expecting that those are still going to work because first, at, at, at the first point, it was, you know... Um, the players around us didn't get the, the they didn't get the plays that were too yeah. complex for them. But then also you can do all this complex stuff. But if I'm a team, I'm just gonna ignore the other players and I'm gonna stay with them. So, but do, do you think a coach has to um, go through a period of of losing or a period of you know a tough time to learn how to how to adapt to that way? Because Steve Kerr, since he's been to the Warriors, has never really had a losing season. Obviously, last season was a losing season, but as we said, that's kind of a scratch. Um, do you think a coach yeah, needs that experience to be able to adapt? Right. But I think I think Kerr's had enough uh, um, experience with just different instances where he'd think, "All right, like, okay, this this is interesting." Like 
think back to maybe the start of this whole period, which was that 2019 finals um, when Clay first went down and then the rest of the games, you know, Curry was just getting all types of defenses played on him, boxing one, triple teams, yep. you know, and, you know, he's, he's, he's accustomed to being guarded from half court even more than ever before with, you know, you can double off players. Like when you, when, when it's uh, Brad Wanamaker instead of Clay or Kevin Durant. Um, but yeah, you'd think that Curry would be like, okay, uh, coming into the season, you know, he's going to have a lot of pressure on him. Uh, we have to play a, a different type of way. And there are different type of coaches. And I don't blame him too much because uh, there are different type of players and coaches. There's players that, there's players and coaches that are floor raisers and then there's ceiling, you know, ceiling raisers. Yeah. Um, and Kerr is in that range with Curry uh, in their respective fields that, you know, if you put Kerr on a team with great players, you know, like a Phil Jackson, they can bring, he can bring the most out of them. But then when you have this type of situation, he kind of just seems lost. Uh, so it's yeah. kind of like a mix of, you know, everything that could go wrong went wrong. So, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're having a tough time. Will Steve Kerr, you know, will we see a time where Steve Kerr's job is in jeopardy at the Warriors? Or has his reputation? Yeah, well, I think his his reputation is, you know, his what he's done, even though it might not be down to him mostly. Maybe it's it's probably mostly down to the players and the talent he's had. But I think a lot of that will shield him from any front office pressure. The big thing, the breaking point was uh, a lot of fans really mad yesterday because um he decided to. I think it was for disciplinary purposes, but still. He decided to bench uh, James Wiseman, and Wiseman until the uh, fourth yeah. quarter. Then in the fourth, he had... It's because like, he missed a COVID test, wasn't it? Yeah, but he was still clear to play. Mm. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, he, he decided to not play until the fourth. And in the fourth, he had 14, 14 and seven. seven. But also, you could argue that's garbage time. And um... No, but uh, Wiseman is, like, shown in the last... He, he keeps getting better every game. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I feel bad because... He kind of doesn't get the opportunity, and then play, and then he gets that, you know, oh, Lamelo's playing great, you're a bust type treatment when that's not the case. No, for sure. Yeah, James James Wiseman. I think Steve Kerr has to look that uh, while while they still want to be competitive in their present, James Wiseman is the future of this franchise. You know, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green won't be uh, around forever. Uh, thing so is, you got to develop your own guys as yeah. well as uh, what, trying to win basketball games. But it's not even a situation where it's one or the other. Um, Wiseman is your best option yeah. at that position anyway. So it's not even like uh, play him to help him develop. Like literally just play him because if you want to win, you have to, like he's your best option anyway. So, yeah, yeah, for it, sure. Yeah. But, but do, do, do you, do you expect them to make the playoffs? <sighs> it is so tight down there. You know, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of teams um, at the bottom of not at the bottom, yeah. but in, in that playoff range, you know, the Mavericks who are who we'll talk about a little bit later. Because the, if you look below them right now, uh the only teams below them yeah. are us, the Kings, Kings the Pelicans, yeah. the Rockets, and the Timberwolves. The only the only team I can see rising because we'll definitely start to tank. Um the Pelicans maybe because they're they're trying to win. But remember the Warriors only have to be tenth and then if you put them in a playoff if you put them in a uh, in a playing situation and you have Curry, yeah, you know, anything they'll probably happen. be a favorite going in. Into can you imagine the Blazers working so hard 
to <laughs> to um nah to have a great season and then they get to seventh and then the <laughs> Steph Curry Suns <laughs> Damian Lillard once again <laughs> Damian Damian would just have to I think he he might reach his ball and put it at that point he's moment. still having he's still having nightmares about Steph Curry if he doesn't already um, now I, I expect the, the Blazers to move kind of more oh, no, yeah, I, I, I was a joke yeah, 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 yeah. I'm looking at the standings and they're like sixth but now yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're quite clear of the Spurs um, yeah the, the Warriors it's in jeopardy man and you, you gotta wonder how how will Steph Curry react to that because last night he did not look happy. Um, you know, he, yeah. he got too accustomed to playing with LeBron and and uh, all those all stars and had to come back to um, you know Toscano. I keep throwing Toscano Anderson under the bus here, but <laughs> <laughs> same with Brad Wanamaker. Yeah. That's because that's that's the that's the main thing I keep. But the seeing. thing is, Toscano Anderson is actually not terrible, but Brad Wanamaker is. But Toscano Anderson is like a decent role player. But he just his, his name just sounds. He's the one that had beef with like, oh, who was it again? Who was the player that like? Oh, uh, Ronnie Magruder, Ronnie Magruder, <laughs> Ronnie Magruder. And then Clay Thompson was like, <laughs> battle with the randoms. <laughs> <laughs> battle with the two K generator. Ronnie Magruder. The people fans, nah, people are going crazy right now, man. The disrespect right now. Like when uh, Tony Snow hit the game winner, they were like, how are you gonna get? Are you gonna get gamed by a red by a 2k brown shirt <laughs> by mr by mr zero 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 how many how many minutes was it that he put up no stats was it like 26 <laughs> wait 20, what no? what i've not seen that picture on twitter it's like 20 oh yeah yeah minutes. yeah when he had like he didn't zero put one stat <laughs> uh ball as well we, we employ all the nba's best um all right let's move away from the warriors josh what's your third hot take uh, yeah, I'm looking at the other side of, of the table, and that mm. is the Suns stealing that first, that clinching that top spot in the West. The the biggest, so my biggest reason for that, obviously they're on a roll right now, um, eight and ten in the last eight, eight and two in the last ten. Yep, uh, five game running streak. Yep, um, they're starting to match. They're having, we've talked about them before. You know, they're having a lot of players that are, you know, stepping up. Mars Bridges having a career year. Um, Jake Crowder. Yeah, uh, they're just absolutely they're balling. They're on top. They're on top of things. And um, the teams around them, obviously, yeah, the Utah Jazz, uh, they're rolling as well. Uh, well, actually, they're, they're six and four in the last ten. So they have started to slow down a little bit because um, I think they had what were, they they'd only had like four four losses. Up to a certain point, and they've re- and now they've lost four in their last in just their last ten alone, and are currently on two lost two games. Yeah, we were talking um, about them having like the high, one of the better win percentages in NBA history a few weeks ago, weren't we? So they've yeah. they've taken quite a hit. Yeah, and then just the teams around them, uh, the Lakers, around the Suns, the Lakers are, you know, I think they're gonna they're they're in cruise control type because that, I think they're trying to be careful with. The amount of load they're putting on LeBron and with bringing along uh, Anthony Davis too quickly as well, mm-hmm. um, because they're thinking repeat. They're not thinking, you know. I think LeBron is at the point where, like the All Star game, he's ready to sit out of the MVP conversation. I don't think he's really motivated by that right now. Yeah. I, they just want to get this team healthy to the playoffs. Yeah, and, and, and seeding's not going to mean a whole lot to the Lakers. Yeah, they'll be, they'll be the favorite going into any series they're going yeah. to. As you said before, as I said, I think last episode was episode four. 
um, last year was kind of an anomaly of type of the years LeBron has. Normally, he's just as long as he has his home court, he's ready to go into any series. You know, he 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 goes into that extra gear when it comes playoff time. Yeah, spirit out thirty, man. Yes. So, yeah. So I think the Suns are that team that seem to have shown consistent that they're that they're rising and only getting better, and they still have more potential with players like Aiton not not realizing his his full potential yet. But yeah, I saw I saw um I saw a report about the Suns looking for the Suns being a good center away from um being a contender. I'm thinking like Andre Drummond, he's right there. No, I'm thinking you've drafted a center as your first pick, mm. and he can still be better. Like, there's no, there's yeah. no reason to. Yeah, I'm a bit weary about teams trading for like contenders trading for Andre Drummond. Yeah, uh, he's a bit of an empty stat type. Of yeah, person. yeah. Um, a lot of you know, <laughs> someone said he was um, like he he was just Eastern Court. Now, what was it? He was uh. He's had some white side if she like he's just had some white side that went out with uh sound from my Carly. <laughs> People are so rude, man. But <laughs> is that wait, is that his defining moment going out with Sam from my Carly? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was that like peak 2013, man. Yeah, that that generated some disturbing memes. But um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> poor Sam, poor Sam. That's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> oh, I'd say something sus, but um, <laughs> no, not even sus in that way. Just, just. But anyway, uh, sus in what way? What what other way can you be sus? <laughs> no, I just mean kind of mm-hmm. crazy to talk about on a sports okay, podcast. Okay, okay. Not not like yeah. Hey, that doesn't not, stop. Not, not that doesn't that. stop us usually, but um yeah. <laughs> I, there's a look, there's a filter at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Uh, future employer might be listening to us. Nah, but, but, uh, <laughs> nah um oh yeah, I gave Pete Peter our link, so he might be listening. Yeah. Our, uh, our, our university lecturer, shout out to him. He goes wilder than us, but, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't think I don't think they should tweak anything i think they're they're on a good pace right now but Um, but i think the question is when people are talking about uh getting a new center in it's not the regular season it's the playoffs because obviously the suns have been there for so long um it's 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 hard to see how they would fare in that environment obviously they've had a little bit of experience with that with the bubble run with that eight and oh run uh, that they could use that as experience, but a proper playoff run with who knows possibly fans back in the stands is a lot different. Yeah, but you have a you have a twenty two year old first pick center. Yeah, no, I'm not it saying give up on damaging. him, but yeah, but it'd be damaging to even trade for a a center that you're meaning to start because that that's just going to be damaging to his uh, confidence. Yeah, for sure. At this stage. So right now, just keep rising. You've got a player in. You've got a couple of players there. Oh, yeah, we talked about Myers Leonard earlier. Um, They they decided to pay him over Jay Crowder, which will always confuse me. Um, oh, the heat, yeah. That, that. All right. All right. Might have a hidden agenda. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, I think, I think the election uh, altered a lot of, a lot of teams are uh, decision making. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, Gordon Hayward there, you know, getting his max and all of that. But anyway, we'll, we'll move on. But all capital, yeah, all no. capital hill storming first team. <laughs> Miles Leonard shoehorn for power forward, and the rest of the team can build around him. <laughs> I mean, that might be that might be the Jazz next move. Yeah, yeah, you would fit them perfectly. You'd be, you know, you'd be a representative representation of the fans. Yeah, absolutely. But all right, so yeah, that's that's me, sons. Yeah, sons in that first spot. Well, speaking of the jazz, I've got a little bit of a hot take. It's not too hot. It's like lukewarm. We're continuing the jazz slander. You had to, man. You had to. Three straight episodes. We're going strong. (laughs) Let's (laughs) let's see what we can get a streak up to, man. Let's see. Um, but you know, similar to similarly to what we have been doing. Uh, it seems like a lot of other NBA media outlets have also been doing to the Jazz, kind of doubting them and uh, questioning whether they can continue this hot form going into the second half of the season. Um, and my hot take, let me get into my hot take first, is that the Jazz will fall out of that number one seed. I'm thinking into about the three, four range. I don't think they'll fall too far because uh, they're, they're still a very quality team. But I just I just want to see how, how the Jazz are going to deal with this media this media pressure, uh, the Jazz never really, I've never really had this type of coverage since you could almost say the um, the Stockton Malone days when they were, you know, going up against uh, MJ's Bulls. Um, and now now that Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell got picked last in the All-Star draft and, you know, there was a lot of clowning for that and LeBron saying we didn't play with the Jazz on 2K. It seems like there's a little rivalry going on between the Jazz and the rest of the NBA almost. Um yeah, and the last time they had this much negative attention, uh, they had some legal issues. <laughs> oh, was it with that fan? Huh? Was oh, no, I mean, fan? the last time a star player for the Jazz. Ah, uh, okay, let's I, not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I just said, but it, would it, this is that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, right, go on, go on. but will, will they crack under that spotlight? Obviously, um, you know, they're... They've been shooting the three out at an historic pace. Can they keep that up? That's another question they're going to be asked. Uh, you know, I've got the stats here. They're shooting uh, 42 threes a game on 40%, uh, which is a historic rate. You know, that means they're making almost 20 threes a game, uh, which is insane. And, you know, the Jazz a lot of times are are beating teams off good defense and catching fire from three. That's a lot. That's when I watch the Jazz a lot of the times, how they're beating teams. Um so that means that a lot of a lot of their dependence is coming from that three point line. Obviously, the, as long as you employ Rudy Gobert, I feel like the defense will always be there. But a three point, um, it's it's always it's always a kind of a uncontrollable variable, um, you know, because teams go through hot periods and cold periods. Um, and I do expect the Jazz to kind of come down, come back down to earth a little bit. Although they have they have uh, upheld that percentage for quite quite a long time, I do expect that to come down. Just a bit, and we'll see how that affects their record. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think they'll be the one seed. I think um, you know, as when when LeBron gets AD back, um, you know, you said they're in cruise control, but uh, maybe th- those two will want to prove a point point to the league, saying no, we are still the guys in this league. We still run this league. I could see that easily happening. Uh, the Clippers have been had a little blip, but off that win against the Warriors, and maybe making some moves coming up to the trade deadline maybe could also make a push to that first seed. And as you said, the Suns, who just look extremely consistent right now. So I see the Jazz falling out of that one seed for sure. And, you know, um, we were going to, we were talking about them 
as I said earlier, having one of the best win percentages in NBA history. So, uh, not the, not the hottest of takes, but I'll say a lukewarm take, mm-hmm. at least. Josh, do you want to move on to your final hot take, or do you have anything to add about the Jazz? Uh, <clears throat> no, nah, nothing to add. Just yeah. keep on the uh, Jazz slander. But the Jazz. No complaints here. Yeah. Uh, no, not for the Jazz. I, if they want to work with me in the future, I'm sorry, but... Um, yeah, just your fans. <laughs> yeah, just your fans. Love the organization. Yeah. Now, nah, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my final bold prediction, uh, is that Carl Anthony Towns will finally have enough with this poverty franchise, uh, and he will request a trade. Yeah, I see uh, it coming. You know, we we haven't had it yet. We haven't had a player. You know, that big player. Well, what am I talking about? James Harden right at the start of the season. But... <laughs> Probably like the but, biggest uh, in like the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah. the, the, but the next the next superstar to be done with this franchise will probably be the most... Maybe the most justified player in oh, this era. Oh, for sure. Yeah. In this era, in this era of um, players wanting out and taking a hold of their destiny, uh, has there been a more justified case than... Carthony Towns. Leaving the the Timberwolves, I mean, at every stage, you know, they've just made very questionable decision making. Yeah. You know, obviously, uh, you know, they took a player. You know, they they their personnel, like who who they've decided to choose in different situations. You know, uh, Anthony Wiggins over Jimmy Butler. Um, they they stuck onto him a little bit too long. Yeah, and then they cashed him for. Obviously, it wasn't the worst idea to uh, get uh, D'Angelo Russell if he was there, and you know him being a friend of Carl Anthony Towns, but it just mm-hmm. hasn't worked out. And then um, drafting with, Jared Culver as well. Yeah, drafting even um, seven. Anthony Edwards. Yeah. Anthony Edwards isn't a terrible pick, but it's just about like the fit of it and just taking a player so similar to you know. Andrew Wiggins in like just their, I mean, <laughs> the week of the draft, he was saying that basketball isn't even his favorite sport, which is just what you want to hear from a player that you're committing your future to. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, and they're just absolutely terrible. Uh, they, they currently sit at eight and 29. Uh, I mean, they've, <laughs> they won their last game, so good for them, but they're one and nine in their last 10. And hey, I mean, it's good consistency though, because they're four and thirteen. They're four and thirteen at home and four and sixteen on the road. So it's not so it's consistent there. They don't seem to care about you know which building it's in. They're hey, if 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 there's one thing you you can't say about the jazz, it, I'm not a jazz. Sorry, oh, jazz is just always on my mind. Rent free. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, if there's if there's one thing. You, you can't say about the Timberwolves is that um, they're not consistent because they are uh, consistently awful um, yeah. for like 15 got, years. You know, one one glimmer of hope was, you know, they were able to snag uh, Malik Beasley in uh, the last, you know, from the, from the Nuggets last, uh, towards the end of last season. But now he's, <laughs> you know, he's on house right now with, uh, his this situation there, we won't go into that. And then D'Angelo Russell's out for a long time, requiring surgery. Um, the, another guy they committed fu- uh, their future to as well. And normally, a team you know this far to 
this far towards the bottom, you know, eight and twenty-nine. Let me let me look at the East really quickly. As bad as the East is, you know, even they don't have a team that's still in uh, single-digit wins. Um, <laughs> as bad as you know, as bad as the Timberwolves are, you know, you'd be thinking like, oh, let's tank, you know, let's get the best pick possible. But can you even trust the Timberwolves with their track record to no. make the right decision in the draft? No. Um, they've had so many number one picks wasted on them. I think uh, the only two so times they've hit is Garnett and Cat, and yeah, those and those two players like two. twenty years apart, <laughs> and they're like no brainer picks. Maybe yeah. maybe uh, maybe with Garnett it was a bit of a gamble because he was coming up high, one of the first players out of high school. But you know, Cat there at <sighs> yeah, he, he I remember that draft and yeah. there was there was no one saying that it wasn't Cat. Yeah. So yeah, just. And Not much needs to be said. It's a poverty franchise, the worst franchise in the league. Um, yeah. Can we can we just liquidate Minnesota, the Minnesota Timberwolves and just move them to like Seattle or something? Look, you can't be a poverty franchise and be in Minnesota as well. Like you got to pick, pick a struggle. Pick a struggle. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you got to pick a struggle there. Imagine, imagine you cut like you're you're like Malik Beasley or something. Yeah. Just Oklahoma wouldn't even like exist any like the Thunder wouldn't even exist anymore if they were as bad as the Wolves. Yeah, you you just move them straight back. Yeah, you're imagine you're Malik Beasley, right? You are you you're coming out of the arena of a forty point loss. You have to shovel like six inches of snow off your car just to get home. Get in your car and you see a text. Uh, you're on house arrest for the next month. Sorry, mate. Because I remember the uh, I remember KCP when he um a couple seasons ago when he. Uh, he had to play with like an ankle bracelet, and he could only play at home games. <laughs> yeah, um, but but that does beg an interesting question though. If if they do trade Cat, what do they do with D'Angelo Russell? That is the only part of my thing that see. I made it clear to say that he will request a trade, mm. but I I'm almost certain maybe they'll feel bad for him because of you know everything that's going on in his life and just want to spare him from. You know, he doesn't even have... That's the worst part. He doesn't even have basketball as a distraction because his team are so trash. Mm. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure he has, like, very little good memories associated with Minnesota. Confidence Towns. Yeah, maybe, maybe playing with, like... Jimmy Butler. Or Garnett for that short period. Yeah. But, like, that has to be it. Or yeah. draft night. Draft night was probably the best uh, time he's... The best moment he's had with the Wolves. Hey, what, what are we saying, Minnesota? Um, how about we throw you Wendell Carter Jr.? Um, who else? Uh, Otto Porter and a first-round pick for Carl Anthony Towns. What, what are you saying to that? Is that going to rival a package of Ro- Isaiah Roby? Kendrick Williams? What about you Pukas- know? Pukaszewski? Nah, he's untouchable, man. He's untouchable. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you I, could take you could take Wendell, but does he have a mullet? You got me there. You got me there. <laughs> you got me there. Hey, why not add something even worse to Minnesota than the the worst haircut in the NBA? When <laughs> <laughs> you're a Timberwolves fan, your, team, your team's down. Your team's down like fifty to the Lakers, and then you see Kenrich Williams coming off the bench with his haircut. <laughs> I'd just be shaking with anger. But in all serious though, I think a team like the Bulls or a young team like that who could you like could realistically make a package for 
uh, Carnivore Towns. Like I don't, I don't see would be an interesting situation. Yeah, legitimately, they have the package if he specifies he wants to go there, and if yeah. they actually, you know, the Timberwolves. Great friends with Zach Levine as well. Yeah, the Timberwolves probably won't let go of like the only positive thing they've had in the last twenty years too easily. Mm. But um, yeah, every team has a price though. Every team, yeah. I, I think they would probably demand one of Laurie Marklin or Kobe White if if a deal was to be made. Um, oh, I think they're gonna re- like they might ask more than they've asked than any big trade we've seen in like the, the last few years, yeah. Because you've got a player that not only is his potential high, but he's already that level, yeah. So he would demand more than a James Harden, more than a Anthony Davis. All right, let's move away from Carnival Towns and go on to our last hot take of the episode. I think the Dallas Mavericks are headed up in the right direction and will clinch the five seed in the West come the end of the season. Uh, they currently sit in eighth. They're seven and three in their last 10. Uh, so it shows an uptick in their performance because they started the season really disappointingly. Um, and a large part of that, I think the main difference as to why they're so much better is because of Chris Tapspozingas. Um, Tingus Pingus himself. Yeah, Tingus Pingus. Uh, first half of the season, uh, obviously missed the first nine games. With that, was it in the injury? Um, he sustained in the bubble. Um, so f- missed the first nine games, and then when he came back, uh, he was kind of awful on both ends of the floor for the first first few months. Uh, first two months, um, he had the second worst defensive rating. Uh, amongst rotation players in the NBA, um, and for a, for someone who's supposed to be a, like a pain protector, rim protector, that's like god god awful. Um, so you know that wasn't helping them at all because the guy you expect to be your defensive anchor is not doing his job. Uh, so they were they were you know just getting outscored pretty much every game, and he wasn't shooting uh, too well either when he first came back. Obviously, he's grown into that and he's actually being uh, really quite efficient now. Um, but in his last four. Um, going into the All-Star break uh, all four games that the Mavericks won uh, coincidentally he has an 103 uh, defense rating which is so much better um, and it's not even elite but just the fact that it is better better shows that um, the the Mavericks are you know only uh, a healthy and fit Kristaps Porzingis away from being a real contender not a real contender but uh, someone who can be competitive in the West maybe they're yeah. Resembling their their run last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So if Chris Stapps can can continue this, uh, which his recent play kind of suggests he can, um, and he's 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 been on a hot streak offensively as well, because uh, there's a lot of questions regarding regarding his future, hasn't there? Um, you know, people saying maybe trading for Andre Drummond. Um, but, that would be a terrible yeah. trade. I yeah, I personally think trading Chris Stapps would take the Mavericks a step back. Uh, yeah. So you know, keep definitely not get the value that he's worth. No, for so sure not. Because because uh, Kristaps, his upside on both ends of the floor is is tremendous. Um, yeah. If if you if you get him healthy and get him in the right mindset, um, and it looks like they're starting to do that. Mark Cuban is starting to do that with him. Yeah. And we tend to we tend to do this thing with generational talents like Luka Doncic, is where, and it ends up you know, backfiring in some ways as well because it kind of seeps into. The mentality of the organization as well is that when a player shows you know how special they are right away we kind of like rush their you know yeah. their winning window you know 
like Luca is in his third season and we're already, you know, exactly. Yeah. There's people calling for him like, oh, he's having a disappointing year. You know, he's doing this. He should be like, he should be the MVP. We're like, we're like Luca's trash because he's not the youngest MVP of all time. <laughs> yeah. And we, we do this with a lot of players. Yeah. People don't realize there's a lot of factors that go into winning the MVP. It's not just your own individual performance. Um, if you yeah. don't have, if you don't have, you know, the winning, the winning around you, you're not going to win the MVP. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, so I was seeing takes on Twitter like um, it was like stuff we stuff we thought would happen at the start of the season that hasn't happened. It's like uh, we all thought Luka Doncic was was an MVP, uh, and it was like laughing emojis. But he's playing at MVP level, but he just doesn't have the winning around him. If if the Mavericks were in a, a top two seed in the West, that he'd for sure be like one of the favorites. Yeah. Uh, so that argument's a bit ridiculous, but um, you know, the, this Mavericks is, is, is what, yeah, that's just what happens. You know, first you're the darling because you're the you're that rookie that surprises everyone. Yeah, and then they hate you the next year, mm. and then yeah, yeah, when you when you set that bar for yourself, um, you know, a lot a lot of expectations are placed on your shoulders, and you know, you you got to remember it, it didn't take no, it took like during like six seasons to get past the first round of the playoffs, didn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, beat, what Zion, Zion's currently the most disappointing, you know, 26 point per game, seven rebound, 60% from the field. Fourth uh, youngest player. NBA all-star <laughs> ever. Most yeah. Disappointing, you know, you know, he's overrated, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, we, it's, we always talk about this though. Like NBA fans seem to be very impatient. Like you got to give young players time, man. Like coming, coming out of college when you're playing with other teenagers and young adults is a lot different to playing against, you know, actual adults you know fully grown men uh and i was i was listening to um jj redox jj reddick's podcast uh this morning with nikola vucevic and he was talking about how you know when 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 vucevic first got to uh, orlando he crossed over with jj reddick for a season and um who was the other guy i forgot his name it might have been aaron aflalo but he was saying like how how much they helped him uh, understand you know what what it's like to win because obviously those those Magic teams had just been to the to the Eastern Conference Finals with Dwight Howard and stuff, uh, so they were they weren't telling him like what you need to sacrifice to win and how much it can take and you don't just learn that by just playing basketball and by That's just tough the ball. because I just saw a graphic um I think by Stout News that uh. Vucevic has like the lowest plus minus in the league since um since like 2013. Really? Yeah. But just this season. How... No, no, like oh in NBA history. Like, like throughout his whole career. Yeah, over those years uh, since then. Uh, it's wild to me, but yeah. And and currently this season as well. But that's not all on him. But yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do expect the Mavericks to be right right in there and competitive at the top. And um, we'll see if they can repeat what they did in the bubble last year because um you no, know, although they didn't get far, they they did they did produce us with some good moments like that Luka Doncic game. Were, uh, yeah they were a you know they were a Pozingis's injury and suspension away from winning that series to me. Yeah against the Clippers hundred percent. Uh and can they build on that? Hopefully I'm I'm praying to God that Pozingis can stay healthy, not just Yeah they deserve fantasy. a they need a season. It, it always seems like since they execute that trade that they're always just waiting for him to get back healthy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, it's it kind seemed, of in that that tier like with Maver- Paul George. The, yeah, yeah. It seems like the Mavericks and the Nuggets are those two teams that are just on the verge of just exploding, almost, mm-hmm. and just and becoming real, real contenders. Um, 
And yeah, I think a big part of that is Porzingis' health and the way he performs on the court. He, he's going to be so important because, uh, you know, th- I don't think there'll ever really be a question mark over Luca, um, as long as he can stay healthy as well, which he's shown so far throughout his career. So that's that sounds good, but it's just Porzingis, really. Um, anything to add, Josh, before we go? No, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, there's just certain teams in the league where, uh, as we've talked about before, whether it be injury or it be, you know, a slow start after advancing far or being in the bubble anyway, because not many teams are even in the bubble. Um, and they're starting to get their footing again at this point and, you know, still got half a season to go. So, and playing. Uh, so, yeah, they definitely look like a team that's going to trend upwards. It's going to be a very int- intriguing second half of the season. Uh, and we'll be here every step of the way to cover it all yeah, for you. can't wait to cover it. Uh, thank you all for listening to another episode of the Four Quarter Talk podcast. We'll be back sometime next week. Thank you all for listening. We're out. Peace. Peace.